Science is real. Monsters are not. We don't know that, sir. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. As you know, we are three deep in Freak's Choice, so we're three-fifths of the way through the Freak's Choice section of, of uh, the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. And this month, we have Jason Giaconetti's choice, am I correct? That's right, it was your mm -hmm. choice, wasn't it? It is. Yep. It is the Monster Squad, and with me today, of course, we have Jason Giaconetti. If we pull this off, I'm gonna shit! <laughs> and we have that other uh, Giaconetti boy, Luke. 3,000-year-old dead guys don't just get up and walk away. Jason, can you change your name to Bo? <laughs> Bo and Luke Giaconetti. It would oh, be God. Great. <laughs> Quite fit same. And I'll tell you a story about, about me and a guy named Rhett and the Duke boys at some point. That is... Never mean and no harm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to see me try to slide across with General Lee. I, <laughs> hey, that might be a good way to clean the whole hood. <laughs> Wow. Awesome. And reacting is... All right, I see how today's going. We're good. <laughs> We've also got Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Hold on, I just have to finish this hastily written crayon note to the army. <laughs> and, of course, last but not least, deep, deep in the Midwest, Sean Engel. Stupid guy, stupid guy, stupid guy, stupid guy. Boring guy, isn't it? Boring guy, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> stupid as well. Nice pickup, Sean. I like that. Well, this is... Yeah. This is and that's good night, night, everybody. And, and I, don't you guys, I don't know if you guys remember. It was like four or five years ago, maybe. Scott Gardner and I did a Christmas special on Monster Squad. And uh, we got into it a little bit. Not really got into it, because I, I love this movie. But... I have some nip. I have some nitpicks and some opinions. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So Jason, why why did you pick this one? I know you've watched it like two or three times, right? At least. Yeah, a few, a few. Um, this is uh, one of those movies that Luke and I watched uh, when we were kids. Uh, you know, didn't really have much of a run in theaters, and we, uh, my dad rented it uh, from the local video store, which also was a gas station at the time. Um, and uh, we on a Friday afternoon, I think we watched it right when we got home. And then we were, had dinner, we're like, we're watching it again. We watched it right again immediately after it. And it's one of those movies that kind of sticks with you, uh, especially if you're a kid of the 80s. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, it's in the same kind of, there's a lot of those movies where it just stars kids fight monsters. And uh, I mean, I own the Blu-ray, I have the DVD. It was one of those movies that was kind of not available for a long, long time. You had to go get it at Chiller and Black Market and whatever. And then uh, when my daughter was born, 
uh, when she got old enough to actually remember what she's watching, so I couldn't just watch like Saw 4 with her, uh, which we used to do, um, uh, we started watching Monster Squad. And it got to the point where uh, in February, we watched it nine times. And um, at, that was the nine times that I was home for. She, my wife said she watched this three other times this month. And so she watched the movie about 12 times that month. And we had to ban it for the entire month of March uh, <laughs> because she just would go walk around and say the entire movie. Um, if there's any way to better celebrate Black History Month, I think it's Monsters. <laughs> I'm a very good police officer. Well, he was he uh, was a great character. It was a pity he got blown up just so quickly like that. Yeah. So, but it's uh, you know it's one of those movies I think that um, I mean she Haley loves it. She totally connects with Phoebe, uh, being about the same age as Phoebe at the time. Um, she looks at Phoebe as being. Uh, you know, a little girl who doesn't take any shit and, you know, kind of thing is brave. And even though, uh, even though, you know, Dracula is trying to scare her, Frankenstein comes to save her. I mean, Haley on her wall has a six foot Frankenstein display, supposed to be for your front door. And she has it hanging in her room and it's part Karloff has Frankenstein. And she, she, uh, you know, um, I just, I just made another shirt for her. Uh, that one's the Gill Man, and the other one's Frankenstein. That's what she wants. She loves Frankenstein. She totally connects with that. That and and her big thing has always been that people shouldn't be scared of monsters. And that's what she tells me. You shouldn't be scared of monsters. They're just like people. You have to understand them. And they're like, well, but isn't he scary? Like, well, people are scary. And I'm like, good lord, my three year old's having a much deeper conversation than this other person thinks they're getting themselves into. Do so. people walk over the whole city of uh, of in Japan and? and just crush buildings beneath their feet. Thank that's God, a no. different kind of monster, though, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. That's, that's for the other shit. Speaking yes. of what you're talking about, you know, the the little girl, Phoebe, being, you know, uh, really appealing to, to little girls, the thing is, she is the hero of the movie. She's the one she who is. essentially, you know, uh, makes yeah. sure that the monsters, the bad monsters, get sucked into the yep. oblivion. There's three aborted tri or two aborted tries before that, and she's the one who pulls it off. Yeah. So, uh, you know, well, yeah, that's because he doesn't that. count. Yeah, that's true. Well, she doesn't she, count. But that's, that's the thing is that she's a little kid, and she <laughs> the the problem with both of the teenage virgins is they could not keep their composure. They couldn't. Well, well one of them. <laughs> well, yeah, the second. Right, one's but I, that's to the thing is it was hard enough to get her to get to the point where you found out that it wasn't gonna work. I just I, I need to raise a point real fast. Why does it always have to be a girl virgin? That's prescription. Right, right. That's pres that's discrimination. Prescriptions, drugs. And you're on that if you think you're getting in here. That's, that's <laughs> what they were like. We need a virgin. I'm thinking there's a room full of virgins right yes. here. Talking yeah, there's like right now. all 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 of those kids. Horace, you know, the rest of the kids. They're all they all have not gotten any. Uh, Rudy probably is still a virgin yeah. too. About this movie is this Fucking movie could have totally failed if it wasn't but it was so well written it could have been just Black, dude it could have just been a patchwork of every 80s spielbergian you know second generation removed from spielberg cliche ever i mean there's you know i mean total like there's shots from et that are you know just replicated but the, the right. Well, I mean, no, so not to mention the fact that the town square is the same one from Gremlins and Back to the Future. Right, right. Well, but it's the thing it's, is, what always gets me about the town square, real quick, is the um, the Burger King 
is right next to the church, and it's all everything's open. Like I mean, like there's people down there. It's supposed to be midnight, and it's like it's lit up better than it is broad daylight. Right. They don't have blue laws though. Yeah. It's okay. Hey, I don't have a problem. Wait, with it's just it's, that's no different than Brewster that the Burger King is hopping at midnight. <laughs> well, and we do know that the McDonald's will shut their shake machine down too early. And then I tell them that their dick isn't working, but that's another story for another day. Um, what I'm that's, saying, yeah, is, that was me. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but there's a pill for that. But but a lot of the logic in this movie, like picking picking a teenage girl as a virgin, is is because it's little kid logic. They they capture really well the the mindset of little kids and like when I was. When I was that age, I would have gotten sucked up. I'd be like, Alucard, Dracula, Dracula wants my Van Helsing book, you know? I would have totally been, you as know. As long as he doesn't want my Van Halen CDs. <laughs> right, he's pried those out of my cold, dead hands. Yeah, Which, right. by the way, there's an actual scene of a gun being pried out of someone's cold, dead hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what I love about this movie, most of all, is that it got made. Because, oh, yes. Yeah. Because... They will not make another movie like this anymore. No, just for the language alone. The language. You know how they got it made? I, huh? You know, you know how it got made? Probably because about the skin of its teeth and a PG-13 well, rating. Well, no, it's not even that part of it. Because um, the, the first movie that Decker did uh, was Night, of, Night the of the Creeps. And Night of the Creeps hadn't even been released yet. But they had a really good buzz about it. They're like, well, we got to make a movie. He's like, you know what? Let's just start making the movie. So they started making this before Night of the Creeps even came out. And Night of the Creeps didn't make a lot of money, but they already had made the movie. So they finished, they finished, got to finish making it. So basically, on the, the, the idea for Night of the Creeps, he was able to get two films made, both of which I love. And, yeah. you know, it kind of became, it's just, it's just crazy with that. But, the, you know, it was not, the, there's no way in the world they could get it. Let's forget everything else in the movie. Just the fact that EJ calls him a faggot, yep. you can't right. say that anymore. No, he doesn't that, say it once. He says it over and over well, again. Yeah, and you can't say the, that, the, you can't say that the principal was totally homoing out. And right, and then they, they were yeah yeah there were a lot there were a lot of comments like that. But I will say this: that is what kids that age would have been saying yeah. in the nineteen eighties about. Exactly. And that's why I like that's why I like it so much. Is is it's. I mean, admittedly, it's super cheese, or it's aimed at little kids, but it make it, it acknowledges that it's a horror movie. So, mom and dad will, pro- or probably dad will, probably be there with the kids <laughs> in the movie theater. Yeah. Well, that, so I think gotta, that's and some of some of that's got to be the Shane Black influence, because I mean, he writes. I mean, <laughs> you know, Predator, you know, right. with the weapon. Yeah. It's like it, just the the pedigree on that, and that's early Shane well, that's, Black. The too. cops, the cops are like those. That 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 whole police station could be. You could do a whole other non supernatural movie around that police station. Oh yeah, you Stephen Mock is awesome. I I love Dell. I, I I can't. He was one of the runners up to be Picard. Yep, and, and he and was, like that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. He would have been yeah. good. He would have been awesome. Yeah, he, he been... has that intensity. That that intensity where his like jaws always clenched, yeah, sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it 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 was uh, you know the the salty language and the interplay and sudden deaths and stuff like that. There's a lot of like adult elements. I don't even think you would have Dracula calling a little girl a bitch anymore. That was gonna be yeah. You'd never get away with that style. 
never get away with that. So, now. so it's great that it exists now because now it's kids can still see something like that. And plus now these days, if say a bunch of 10 year old kids get together to see monster squad, which any parent these days is just going to let their kids watch something like monster squad. It's like an eight, you know, it just looks like ET and, and I, and I love it. It's like, it is aimed for kids, but it's, it it's it's funny for adults and 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 sort of fun to watch. Well, it's I, it brings it back to one of the points. Really intense parts of it. Yeah, that's one of the points that I always like to bring up is that it actually has children in peril. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. it, Dr- Dracula wants to kill Sean. It's explicitly states and you know you know coming for the kid. Yeah, the he blows up the clubhouse, that. assuming they're there. You know, meeting adjourned. Uh, oh, yeah, one of my favorites. I, I still want a clubhouse like that, man. That's Hell a yeah. clubhouse. How the best the part is, how does is, the dog get up there? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> how does the dog get up here anyway? The creature stole my Twinkie. Oh my God, Eugene. Oh poor Eugene. So the, uh, well, the thing, so, the thing in uh, in addition to what you were saying here about actual children in peril, which you're not allowed to do anymore. No, you can have as many, you know. Uh, broad homosexual stereotypes you want spouting foul language, but you can't put kids in peril. No, uh, heaven forbid. It goes it goes hand in hand with one of my you know what's generally considered the best horror comedy of all time, which is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs> in that the funny bits are funny, but the monster bits are straight. Are yes. straight up. Yeah. Or, in the, or, mm-hmm. They're straight up monster stuff. Yes, Wolfman gets kicked in the junk, but that's not the point of the scene. You know, oh. he's still chasing after them. He's still scary. He still gets. Blowed okay. up and pulls himself together. Okay. And another thing with that is that other of all time. It, and it's just like Dracula is a real, real prick. Uh, he's got him drugged when he's human. It's like sure, that's not. I don't. If they was trying to make that movie today for kids, there's no way. Yeah. And it's just implied. You know, they have the bottle of pills, and then he spits out a couple of them. That's going to go over most kids' heads. Yeah. But watching it as an adult, you're like, oh my god, but, this dude is nefarious. Well, it's not just that. Well, how about he's the, got, three, the three schoolgirls? Right. We never even learned, we well, never no, even learned their names. They're the, they're they're stewardesses. the stewardesses. But the right. three, we never learned their names, though. They're just... They're just I have a feeling... Tied, women I, tied up in a closet. I well, get a feeling the movie there was tough by cut out of this. I have, the movie was tough by... There was thir- 13 minutes of action when they finished, when Decker finished the cut of the movie, the executive said, you have to cut it down to under 90 minutes. They cut 13 minutes from the movie. They're in parts of that. Yep. I'm just I'm just like you know. So uh, there, yeah. there were several characters that you that seemed like they should have been more developed. I'm trying to think well, of what the other one was. Well, but well, Dustin Diamond actually had a role in the movie as a kid who's trading baseball cards with them, and that whole entire part was cut out. How did they cut out Screech? Well, because he wasn't <laughs> Screech yet. That's why. So yeah. he just was another guy thinking or whatever. Um, but just what we were saying, like when Dracula holds Phoebe up and, then, and they actually have her on a lift and they're lifting her up and he's got her by the chin, right? Um, what they said to Phoebe, or they said to uh, Ashley, that's her actual name, is don't open your eyes. And when we tell you go, open your eyes and you can look at them. Because um, the, the, the guy the, Duncan. on set, oh. he, uh, he, uh, yeah, he, uh, he never wore the, the 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 eye uh, the the contacts or the fangs anywhere near her because she she didn't want to he didn't want to scare her he was always very friendly with her and he treated her really well and she was like i mean on set they were uh you know i mean they, they, you have stan winston studio doing the effects and steve wang did the gill man and stuff like that 
you had all these kind of people, technical stuff, but he didn't want to scare her. So when that scene came and he had to shoot that, he's holding her. And when you watch the, when you watch it, at they tell her now, when she opens her eyes, and that scream is 100% real. She actually grabs his hand. She is terrified in that moment when she opens her eyes as he snarls at her. Yeah, and Nowadays, he, he wouldn't say the line. To, he wouldn't even say the line to her. He only said it, says it to a dummy. That's right. Because and if, you look, want, if, you, if, if you know that looking for it, especially on the Blu-ray, you can tell that it's, it's not right. her. Yeah. But yes. you know, again, he was he was so you know he well, wouldn't he couldn't say it to her. They only did the one take on it. They wouldn't put her through it a second time. Well, they said that there was no reason to do it. Any second take, she was so scared they had to stop. She had to stop shooting for the day. Once they did that part where she, and that was the last scene they shot with her. That was it. They had to put because she was terrified. She was so terrified, and he felt so bad. And that's what he said. He felt horrible about this, and all this on the Blu-ray. They have all the the when they did the special features and all the stuff on the DVDs, all the Blu-ray gathered it all together. So I, I watched a Blu-ray rip of this and I noticed there were several things that showed up on, I noticed all the matte paintings, especially the castle at the beginning, yep. all of a sudden looked less like now that they were more clear, they looked more like illustrations from a children's book or something, which was kind of cool. Actually, <laughs> it was just a little more stylized. And then there's a scene the first scene where Dracula gets out of his 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 cool Dracula hearse and yeah. goes yes, walking an awesome walking over, <laughs> and you can see the film light, yeah, sort of sitting up in the up at tree level, aimed away, but it's there it is. And I was like, I, I backed it up, and I'm like, oh, that's a film light, all right. And I'm like, I'll bet you that I'll bet you it didn't show up. You know mm-hmm. what does show up though is that flash cut of the his skull face that terrified me as a kid i love i love duncan rager's version of dracula i didn't see this till i was an adult this i saw this scott gardner made me watch this when we were actually roommates here in rochester for a short period of time between when i was in college and he was in the air force and uh he was just like you've never seen monster squad and i'm like i don't even think i've heard of it and we sat down and watched it. And uh, I just, the thing about it is, that the, the, the gets me with this movie is that kid. Sean? And I think it might be self-loathing. Because, like, when Scott and I were talking about it, he's like, he always, you know, after I spent the whole episode bitching about how the little kid, like, there's a first scene where he gets his Van Helsing book and there's a shot of him walking down the hallway. And his head is just so huge, man. He's just got that, it's that haircut, too, that kid <laughs> mop. But he's, he just, I'm like, that's no kid, that's a fidget. <laughs> I swear, it's. <laughs> Does that mean fucking midget? Yeah, it's it's from a it's from a it's a reference from a Little Rascals. That's no baby. That's a fidget. Oh, Jesus. When the when the the, oh, the midget boy. dresses as a baby to break into the rich people's party and steal their jewels. Yeah, he but, uh, definitely is the. I mean, you can tell he's got a lot of acting experience because some of it's just like, yeah, he's really trying to act. But I still I still love. But him. but I mean. He captures he he's good. He captures the actual obnoxiousness of a kid that age. I'm sure I was like five times as obnoxious as him. You still are. But something about that oh, I'm like ten times now. <laughs> I've increased my power over the years. What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh 
something something about him he's just like what like in person he would be one of those kids i'd just be giving the hairy eyeball to like i see you you little shit <laughs> i don't know what it is it's something in that just it 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 triggers it to me and what about the beginning is did this this is this is um pre army of darkness by oh yeah mm-hmm. A bunch number of years, years. yeah. Yep. It's got yeah, a total arc of like beginning. 91, 92. That was, and they planned a, a much bigger, more elaborate yep. beginning than that. Well, you they, can they tell because you could tell like they cut, they must have cut out some Van Helsing stuff too. Because when, when he comes back at the end, it's just like, all right, we saw this guy in one or two shots, you know, and he comes, it, it, he comes back to do the Shiron fight with. With Dracula for eternity in the vortex, but I was just like, there had to have been more Van Helsing in here because he's too much of a. It's the his appearance at the end is too much, like he should have been a developed character. And I thought the Virgin, here here's a here's a fan film or maybe a a sequel reboot, is the Virgin gets sucked into Army of Darkness world. <laughs> has her own ash adventure oh my god could you imagine if they got all the kids that were still alive because poor Horace is he passed unfortunately away passed away oh really uh, in 97 he passed away from pneumonia jeez yeah but uh oh, the rest of them are still kicking yeah Phoebe the Phoebe looks damn good too Dude, Ash she is hot Jesus she's cutie thank uh, you Shag she's hot <laughs> yeah. fuck you Shag I just want to say she's hot <laughs> But uh, yeah, because that would be a great mashup. Get the adult Monster Squad with Bruce Campbell. That would be amazing. Yo, there's always possibilities. I, you know, the uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead show is coming out uh, pretty soon on Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, on Stars. So the idea of having some of those guys cameo in it would just be spectacular if they could do that. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how much of a relationship Raimi might have with Fred Decker, who directed the movie. But I think probably genre wise he might have some association well i don't know i mean after fred decker did robocop 3 did anybody want to work with him no not monster really. squad is made to be a tv show oh it'd be great it would be a great monster of the week tv show it would be just so awesome because you could do and since it was a weekly tv show you could split it up like the x-files did but different from the x-files but you could have you could have stories centered around the kids or stories more centered around the dad, too, you know? Yeah, I think they're, they're all still alive. I think Duncan Rieger's still alive. Well, yeah, I, well, the, mother, the mother just passed away. I would do it with a new cast of little kids, you know? Yeah. But you couldn't pull off the same... Because we're living this politically correct time, you couldn't pull off the same sort of feel that this has. I mean, you could have, yes, kids going around... Well, you know, don't give up on it ever coming coming back because there is there is politically incorrect humor, and it's yeah, but it's all done. It's all done by you know adults like Seth Rogen and it's in it's in rated R movies. Yeah, Yeah, and it's all and it's that or or single camera comedies, which is neither of which I would want for for this property. Oh no, yeah, a sort of office version of the Monster Squad. No, like the yeah, they did they just did it. It's called the Muppets. They did an office, you know, they did a single camera comedy, The Muppets, and they've ruined that. So, I, yeah, you know, I, I would hate to see a property I love well, just as much turned into shit like that. Not, so. not to si- not to sidetrack, 
But Hero, I, I, I kind of liked it too. I thought it was amusing and good, but I was thinking this would be better if this was just like a gap. Like, every, like the next episode would be a CSI crime drama. Oh, if it was a parody every week. Every week it was something. That would different. be that, that would, would be, really be actually true. something involving the Muppets then, but, though, and not just not just we have to exploit this up. license. Let's make a an art. Let's make a uh, let's make a, a typical ABC sex comedy out of it. But this this is not related to the Monster Squad, so yeah, we right, should stay on right. track with Monster Squad. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. We should. <laughs> so, but I, I uh, can, Sean, can we can we can we bring up a point you mentioned pre-recording? All right. Sh- say what you're gonna say. I was going to say, I enjoy this movie more than The Goonies. And I think this is actually, oh. while while The Goonies is a better filmed movie and possibly better acted, this movie feels more real. And, and I, I said to you, movie. shut your whole mouth. Yes. Okay. Well, you well, The Goonies are good like enough. Said, like you so, said, oh, thanks. Thanks, Cindy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's so bangable in that you, video. You keep, you keep singing. Oh, how am I going to get out of this one, Mr. Spielberg? She's uh, bangable. Hulk Hogan. She's bangable and in Albano. every video. No, it's Andre the Giant. Oh, that's Hogan. right. It was Andre. <laughs> anyway. But yeah. Uh, so, you know, they the, are spiritual brothers. They are, and they, you know, the fact that didn't this come out like a couple of years? This came out in what eighty eight. Goonies is eighty five. Monster Squad is eighty seven. So you've got two years. So you could say that the Monster Squad was trying to, you know, cash in on the idea of what the Goonies put forth. Cashing well, in on a lot of that, ideas. Considering that Mary Ellen Trainer, who was the mother in Monster Squad, is Mrs. Walsh mm-hmm. in Goonies. Um. Yeah, so but, you know, that. I mean, but ultimately, both films owe a lot to the, you know, the the nineteen the nineteen thirties and forties comic book concept of the kid yes. gang, like yes. the news, the original Newsboy Legion, the Young All Stars, stuff like that. Not the Young All Stars, but there was a lot of kid gangs, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what they what they both are. You know, they got kids even even into like the B movies, like the the Bowery the Bowery Boys but and the that, East Side and, Kids but, and all that. And the, they, they, they were got, the same idea of putting them in as as these horror comedies with kids playing the roles and but still having involving monsters and an adventure you know well, just on a the, b-movie level and i'm gonna throw in the little rascals in yeah, that whole totally. mix all of those including monster squad have a they're, they're kid adventures they're but they got a layer of grit to them Oh, there's but, definitely. Hey, I mean that's throwing, yeah, Well, that's that's, that's the East bad news kids right there too though. for for good measure. You know, well, yeah, Rudy smokes, and he's trying to take pictures of uh, <coughs> the kids' uh, the kids' sister. It cracks me that's up because he is just uh, of all. I mean, the movie is a collection of '80s stereotypes, especially by that time, as the '80s are are getting near uh, the '80s out. Yeah, and you know that kid was the just the stereotype. Rebel older brother, leather jacket, hair. Yeah, I mean, the most unbelievable thing in the movie is the fact that he would be friends with the rest of those kids. Right, well, that's... Well, here's a company I've always wondered. There's a backstory to that, I'm sure. Yeah, what what is the deal with that? Now, my now here's the theory. That's why this is so well written. Every, you can see backstory to... You can... There's things going on with all... You know, they... They envisioned all these characters, you know? Here's the well, he's not thing friends with, with all with, of them. He's Woody. friends with. I'm saying he's with friends with Horace because well, he doesn't know. Well, what I'm saying, but he doesn't know that uh, that. Um, oh shit! Who he called lives next door to Sean. That that's his sister. He doesn't know that. He's like, that's your sister. You see, I think a lot of his motivation was to see the sister and to ho- totally get. It was all a plot 
to his Patrick, teenage Patrick. boy. It was an all plot to get in the in the kid sister's pants. Ooh. Well, no, but the thing is, but though, the, with, I mean, my, he's my obviously friends is, with Horace. Yeah, but that, that's always been my question. Is he actually friends with Horace, or is he just the guy that doesn't like bully, bully, kids getting bullied? Mm-hmm. Is he saying, oh, that's my friend, and he just comes in and says it? Because then Horace is talking about him like he doesn't really know him that well in the next scene. Yeah. No, he you might know? not, but they might have been like... Their families might have been friends. That's what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's something. There's a, there's a question. Always been a question there. What, what's the deal with Rudy and Horace? Horace, Horace you know? might have helped him out on a science test or something. Although Horace isn't. Horace is kind of the, the, he, he makes the whole Abbott and Costello ver, you know, meet <laughs> Frankenstein. He does the whole like whenever they run. Well, whenever they run, they all do Abbott and Costello and go. Ah, yeah. Well, he also hey. has the, uh, you know, instead of the Monster Squad, we could be the the Nature Squad. <laughs> yeah. Look at rocks. Look, look at rocks, collect birds. Not be dead. <laughs> or how about the Math Squad? Solve math problems. <laughs> yes. It's, yes. Just, you leave it to the heavyset kid to have the slice of pizza for a snack. And now, now garlic! Or, Go ahead, Luke. And I love him jumping in the garbage can as well with Frank. <laughs> The, the, no, the scene, the ultimate fat kid scene in that is when scary German guy gives him a second piece of pie and he just has a smile on his face and he ta- puts his fork in it and he looks at the other guys and he's like, look, more pie. We got to talk about so scary German he's guy. Getting more pie. Mm-hmm. That is the best and most understated thing in the movie. You say it. it goes scary German German God. God. Played by an Italian guy, apparently, because yes, I looked at the credits. Uh, <laughs> but the most understated thing, and, and it's probably the best bit of pure filmmaking in the movie, is when they're leaving. Yes. And he's talking about vampires, and, and Horace says, you know a lot about monsters. And he says, I guess I do. And they pan down, and he's got the the, the got his concentration camp, camp tattoo on his arm. I got, yeah. And I it got says good, everything you need to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great really, writing. I, I, we were when I was working at camp. It's uh, I had um, when I was working with the little kids. I had the three, four, five-year-olds, six-year-olds for doing games and activities, and there was a uh, um, this family had uh, had their and they were just the awesome, the kids were all awesome. They're really great, and their grandfather would come and he would uh, you know he would come and talk with me. But the younger CITs and stuff like that would ask like, the dumbest questions, and he's like. You people need to just stop and listen and think. And then he has he was in a concentration camp. And one girl goes, why is that tattoo on your arm like that? And, like, you just see him, just his heart breaking. And I'm oh, like, I'm just going, oh, sir, I'm very sorry. I said, I will take care of her. I said, you know, I'm, I apologize for that. And I'm like, and I remember back, now this is, I'm that time, talking about like, I'm much older. And thinking back to that, knowing exactly what that was in the movie, thinking, like, yeah. The, what are monsters? They're people. People are the real monsters. If Scooby Doo taught us nothing else, it's always a person is the monster. And I think I thought that's... what Scooby Doo taught us was that when when shit gets down, the guys you least expect to come out on top are going. To. <laughs> I thought it taught you that girls with uh, earth tone uh, outfits and bobby socks are hot. Well, Elma needed love too, man. I don't know. Every, I like. I dig the brainy chicks. You know. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Kind of, that's what I'm talking. I'm right there with you. She's got the big girl's advantage, dude. She's, I'm telling you, dude. She's she's got a big rack in there. Too. You got the big girl's advantage, exactly. And, and glasses. All I glean from it was seek food and run from danger. <laughs> Zoinks! And things will sort themselves out eventually. <laughs> I don't know, Scooby. But, but, 
but Scooby-Doo notwithstanding, it's a good point. You know, it's it's the idea of okay, in it, it's taking this this antiquated concept both in the uh, in in story this idea that these are you know uh, 16th century monsters, uh, Dracula and his ilk that have come back, and um, but also the idea of the monsters themselves, the universal monsters being an antiquated concept of horror dating back 50 years from when this movie was made. You know, so yeah, it's this idea. Okay, those are monsters in air quotes. But we've seen real monsters in our world. We don't need these pretend monsters to see what monsters are, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's real subtle. And most kids watching this will they'll go right over their head. Yeah. But once you see it, you know it, and it makes perfect sense. What I like. And so this idea that scary German guy is going to throw in with these kids to go fight Dracula and the Wolfman and the Mummy and the Gill Man makes perfect sense, considering. That we know what he, what kind of shit he had to go through well, what against like, some very real monsters. What I like is they leave it at that. Yep, that's it. It's they don't, not yeah, they don't beat you over the head. With the it, they don't beat you over the head with it. It it says it all, and the movie has the 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 writing has the confidence to just be like there, boom, that's it. And you you see where he gets some of his grit. You know, he's basically he's a survivor. You know, so he I'm sure he's telling himself, well, you survived that. You'll survive Dracula. Yeah. Or not. Another, another <laughs> thing at, I even, like about this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jay. I'm saying even at the end when uh, when uh, after when when Phoebe, he, she's, he's telling Phoebe how to say the words and he just in, in puts himself between Dracula and the little girl. He's not taking this shit. Right. And he and he and, he, and again, I don't speak any German, but you all understood what he said to him. You know that you know he calls him Nosferatu. He's you're not you're not hurting her. And Dracula then gets the magic power of shocking him with his hand. But like he he turned into like, the emperor for a second. Yes, there. Yeah. he did. He was like, "Holy shit, I have this." You um, know what? That's a great. And that I forgot. I didn't realize it, but that moment is the link between this episode and our next episode. Well, Nosferatu. Just saying is when he, when he steps in between there, it's like. Uh, there's nothing he's he's not he's not about to he's not back down before he clearly survived in an, a place where most people didn't get out alive i'm not taking it and not taking his shit here either and it's powerful it's again it's little it's kind of throwaway but those are the things that when you watch the movie as many times as i've watched this movie you start picking up on those little things that mean something when you get when you're a kid you're like oh okay well they're fighting dracula you know, now you're older, like, wow, he's stepping up. He's not letting this little girl face this monster instead of running away, you know, kind of thing, which most people would do because people think they're tough, but they shit themselves and run away most of the time. Yeah. You know? Hey, wait a minute. Now, in all, in all fairness, yeah. if Dracula from this movie is walking down Main Street of Simpsonville, South Carolina, you're going to turn and say, look out, Luke, you'll be talking to yourself. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I agree. And I'll be honest, oh, yeah, because he's got the, he's he's got the pimp slap of doom in this movie. Oh, sweet Christmas. He just walks through those dudes. It's like, uh, you know what, guys? I, got, I forgot something back at headquarters. I got to run. Every one of those cops has no fucking shot with him. They were, and the, the best but they go up there and they do their best. Gold darn it. The only yeah. reason he's dealing hey, with him at all. <laughs> the only reason he's dealing with him at all is because they're not even slowing him down. He doesn't yeah. have to break his stride of walking forward. So if the cops come too close, eh, it's no skin off his ass just to snap their neck. Yeah. I like it. So you're he saying, stops so you're moving saying, forward. So are you saying nothing's going to break his stride? No. no insert Matthew Wilder down. here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. You know, last night I had the strangest dream. Shut up! Shut up! 
No. <laughs> you know, one of the things I also want to, since we're talking about, you know, the writing and, you know, especially the sort of subtlety in this, I, I like the fact that the, even though this is an, uh, a continuation or an homage to the Goonies, that the parents in this movie aren't the idiot parents that they're kind of portrayed to be in a lot of those type of movies. The parents are actually kind of well-written. They have their problems, but they actually aren't completely oblivious to what's going on. Yeah. And the, it's... The, the, they're smart parents. And we get so often in these, you know, kid comedies where the parents are either completely ineffectual, don't know what's going on, or they are the uber parents who can fix everything. And, and I like they, 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 they never get on board till the last second no. when mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's just dead obvious. Yeah. Whereas dad's a cop. Dad knows something's in the air. So yeah. as soon as he hears his son's involved, he doesn't care if it's supernatural or not. He's yeah. going to go and deal with it. Well, mm -hmm. I also have to say that the the mom in this, just to have, I have to say it because our destruction directive, Van Helsing, he's the one that fights Godzilla, right? Uh, no, mom. <laughs> I, I, really I like the mom in this. I'm I'm I I I remember every time I watch this, I have the same when they're having their fight, which is the typical married. You know, you know, you married a cop when you married me. That's <laughs> that like when she he's walking out and she's staring at him. I'm like thinking to myself. What does she want him to do? And I'm sitting there thinking, what, you actually want him to go and, like... Not go to work? <laughs> be a no-show as a cop and be fired. Yeah, and lose his there, there, there's a what? bunch of scenes actually cut out there that are on the, the Blu-ray and DVD uh, that, that uh, expand that. The fight's expanded. Her actually watching an, um, a, like a 2020 or a news thing about women who marry cops and the, their lives and... Uh, at the if if you notice before right when Dracula shows up at the house, she's got her bags up, packed. Bags are packed. She's yeah. leaving him. Yeah. And, oh. and it it truly that and I I understand that they had to cut things to get it under the ninety minute runtime, but like those little pieces of the movie when you watch them, you're like, oh, okay, this makes perfect sense, and it just it builds their story a little bit. Now, did it did it take away from the overall story of the kids? N not really, but it helped build the parents as this more you know this relationship is more realistic. I mean, I was well, now, 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 wait a minute. To be well, fair, if that marriage was realistic, wait a minute, Chris. If that marriage was realistic <laughs> when they were fighting, they, he would have dragged her parents into it at some point. <laughs> oh, well, oh, I guess we'll just live like your fat alcoholic mother then. If it, you want. <laughs> it was it was the 80s. All parents were divorced or in the process or, or threat. But it's not you know, like nothing about him screams bad dad. No, no, like, no. He's a good dad. He got he knows he. Like when the kid has to stay home, he's a, you can tell he's a good dad because the kid doesn't throw. He starts to starts to get pissed that he's got to watch his sister, but they've taught the kid enough that the kid's like, okay, you know, I'm gonna miss my movie, whatever. But and the kid knows he can go up to the roof and watch it, but the dad knows the dad knows the kid's gonna be up on the roof. He's picked up. Old Burger school King. fast food packaging. Oh, it I Burger love King. that old school Whopper. Burger King. Yeah, it's oh, a Whopper that, he takes out of the that, bag. Yeah, and, that makes and, me so hungry every time I oh watch my, it. Oh, Dude, me okay. too. So when, when it's got a great beat, and it always makes you hungry. That's, that's ball slapping a hooker's ass. So, I know. Uh, I'm just saying. Wait well, now. <laughs> What, well, you, wow! You don't know and, your uh, and Jay has now taken over the hero role on the show. I saw that's Drew Carey. That's the Drew Carey roast, yeah. Yeah, it's got a, it's your balls slapping balls. against the hooker's ass. It's got a great beat, and it always makes you hungry. That's right. <laughs> I use that line all the time. Anyway, so uh, but the thing is, like, when you see that that part there, 
like when when it, when he's like, oh well, you know, guys and I, and he's like, he describes like, you know, I think you know, what if they mail chopped his head off and mailed it, whatever, and he's like, the whole point is like you can kind of see that interaction that like, you know, you're not going to win this, and he but he lets his son have his little say. And he's like, can I have five bucks? And he goes, of course you can. You know, kind of thing. Like, it's totally, like, he's a, he's a really cool dad. Now, one of the things that's cut from the movie is when, because uh, remember, he shoots Dracula and when, when they're in town. And Dracula actually gets hit by the bullets. And he's, he goes in and changes them out for silver bullets. The, and that's, that's one of the scenes that's cut from the movie. Uh-huh. Um, he changes out the bullets in the dad's gun. He comes in because he always hangs it right on the edge of the bed. He changes out and puts silver bullets, and that's why Dracula is all fucked up when he gets shot and goes through the window. I'd also like to point out he shoots Dracula as a bat on the fly while hanging out of the car with Dude, one hand. Because he's Holy a motherfucker. Because <laughs> it's stone cold fuck, man. That's <laughs> awesome. It's an old school. It's an old school hand cell animated or just rubber bat on the end of a a string, and those bats are notor- Those bats are way slower than real bats. I'm just <laughs> saying, he still managed to shoot. I mean, that, that that's like that's like you know Steve McQueen shit right there. Yeah, yeah. that's like bullet. James you know? Coburn in the Magnificent Seven, man. Oh yeah, his knife. Mm. Yeah, that's man. I I think before we get too, I mean, we've been talking about it a lot, but I think we have to talk about how fucking amazing the redesign of all those characters is. Because mm-hmm. uh, this version of the Frankenstein creature stands toe to toe with the Karloff version for Yeah, me. he's great. Yeah. Well, and, and that they didn't they didn't feel the need to CGI or make things look uber realistic in, in the first scene you see with Dracula and all that. There's rubber bats flying around like that. Yeah. So they're they're homaging the uh, universal monsters and the kind of aesthetic that was set up there. But they're also modernizing it in a way where it looks like where it looks modern to the 1980s. Where right. It, it, it's a great blending of those two sort of uh, eras of horror movie uh, characters and oh, it's, right. it's perfect well they had the rubber yeah. bats and then they had that one shot where you just see all the red eyes poking out and that was yeah. a nice yep. creepy creepy shot yeah. and great zombies in that intro too coming yeah. up out of the floor which are totally yeah. like yeah. You, you think they're not there very long and obviously there was more of it that was supposed to be there but so but uh it's no, stan, I mean, winston, yeah, stan winston studios they were they got they were able to get them on board to do this and what happened was, because I actually asked Steve Wang about this when I met him a few years ago, because um, everyone, because we, we were actually we were painting a couple years ago, we were painting either the Monster Squad Gilman, which uh, if anyone's seen, I'll post pictures and stuff on uh, on, the, on the board. So amazing looking. And um, and then uh, the other one we were painting was Steve Wang's. He sculpted a, a his own version of The Creature Walks Among Us, which I also painted, and I'll put pictures of that up as well. Um, what happened was I said, well, you know, how, how did it come about that you got to, you know, design this suit? He goes, oh, it's great because there's the team and there's like there's like 10 guys on the team and it was two guys per monster. Right. And what happened was they uh, like the Wolfman's face. If you look at it closely, it's based on a life cast or, or it's molded after a cast of actually Stan Winston's face. And, oh. and that's 100 percent true. And that was done as a kind of like a little in joke. Right. So what happened was um, is Wang and. Oh my God! Is it Matt Rose? I'm I'm gonna kick myself. I don't remember. I think it's Matt Rose. Um, his name's Matt something. I think it's Rose. Uh, they were the two youngest on the team. And what happened was Stan said, "Hey, we're gonna do this movie, Monster Squad. You guys, you know, Creature and Black Lagoon." They go, "We love the Creature and Black Lagoon." He goes, "Awesome! That's the one you get." And they were so pumped. And they were like, "Awesome!" He goes, "I need a full suit that has no seams. Go for <laughs> it." 
And they go, and so so Steve said, he goes, yeah, he goes, we were excited as anything. And I, he goes, how do we do this? And then Matt goes, I don't know. I thought you knew. He goes, shit, <laughs> how do we do this? So here's what happened. They had to invent the suit that overlays and tucks in. It's now become standard in the entire, uh, like, like that's, this is what it is. This is how suits are done now. They invented that. Or they invented how the process well, of doing it. Because after they'd worked, because remember, this is around the same time as Predator and stuff, and Steve Wang worked on Predator and doing those suits and stuff. But the Gill Man has no seam, period. The seam is up the back, and the, and it goes over, and all the pieces are underneath, and they all underlay. The problem was, with what uh, Steve had said, was that when he moved, his the, the, the suit would fold. So they had to make it so the suit wouldn't fold and it looked natural. And they did all these tests and different things. He showed us all these behind-the-scenes pictures and crazy crap. And you're like, oh. And he goes, nowadays, this is standard the way suits are made if you did a physical suit. But in that, he goes, in 1986, when they're shooting, he goes, we were inventing this crap on the spot. So, which is crazy because the suit is what he's when, – when, when, uh, when they're in the water, there's two guys lifting up the crate and they throw it. But when he gets up, you can see the water coming out of the suit because the suit was all foam. And it just started sucking up water. The suit weighed about it. Like, like he, he just started get, they, they were afraid he was going to drown. The guys had to be in Jeez. the water with him at all times to get him out of it. But it's such an effective-looking shot. It's oh, so yeah. amazing-looking. Yeah. And, and, and really, with the, with the Gill Man, the, the suit acting from Tom Woodruff Jr. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I mean, he doesn't he, – admittedly, he doesn't have a lot to do. The Gill Man is in the movie the least of the, the main monsters. Mm-hmm. But just I just think of the scene when, when Dracula resurrects the Frankenstein monster – and the lightning yes. comes down, and he's just—he's huffing, like, yeah. Um, yeah. like, like the uh, like a fish said, out of was water. It, was it, it wasn't Rico. Was Rico Browning played the creature, uh, the Black Lagoon in the underwater scenes? I forget who played him in the land scenes. I forget the guy's name. But the way that he's huffing is a callback to the way the Gilman huffed in the Creature in the Black Lagoon when he was on land. But it looks—it—it's it, animalistic and natural, and it looks so good when he's just huffing up and down there because he's. You know, he's trying to, you know, be excited, but he can't breathe, you know? Oh, jeez. Well, I mean... And, and I, I'm... And, uh, you know, so it, it's... The suit acting for all the monsters is great. Oh, especially, yeah. like I said, the, the Gill Man, you know, uh, Carl Tebow playing the Wolfman. This is one of the best Wolfmen ever on oh, film. Awesome. I think anybody's going to yeah. argue with this. I said earlier, the pull-yourself-together scene is one of my favorites of that trope. I love that trope in general. But it's so well done here because you've... You know, they... Because they... Sean, you were talking about with, that they don't signpost uh, certain things. That one they signpost the hell out of. They mm-hmm. make a point of saying the only thing that can kill him is a silver bullet. Exactly. So they blow him up and you're like, well, that's oh. got to be it, right? No. Well, the no. thing is, <laughs> the thing is, no, but it's not just not just even blow him up. They said falls out a window onto bomb. a bomb, and it's, they yeah. describe the scene exactly as it happens. And when it happens, you're like, huh, it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and by the way, it's Ben Chapman played the creature on land. Rico Rico Browning oh, yes. was Tracy well, Chapman. Yes, Tracy Chapman. We got a fast song. Look out my window, see what's going on. Oh, I read a fast Jesus. song. So, sorry, Chris. <laughs> but, um, no, well, well, Rico Browning could hold his breath for something like like four minutes at a clip. Jesus. It was some ridiculous number. But anyway, um, but the and and I I may be showing my own personal bias here for this film. But Michael McKay's mummy is friggin' awesome. Well, yes. he's not in yeah. the movie much, but he's friggin' awesome every time he is. Well, well, the thing I, with I, that mummy is think about it. That mummy nowadays would have all been CGI. Yeah. That is him yeah. in a suit. That's how yeah. skinny he is. 
And because the suit's minimal on top of him, yeah. he, 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 he makes sure, you know, like you didn't eat that day when you're in, in, in suit because it is skin tight on him and it's phenomenal looking. Yeah, yeah. he oh, looks and desiccated. Yeah. Well, think about ahead, it. You're, if you're Stan Winston's studios and someone come, approaches you and says, hey, what do you guys think about doing all the Universal Monsters? You're going to bring your A game. They must have been so stoked to, you know, I mean, just just doing any one of them would have been like, oh, have had a whole place of buzz having to do all the Universal Monsters and do them classic. But at the same time, bring them up to special effects standards must have been, you know, no wonder there was innovation happening because they must have been just using every tool at their disposal. Yeah, uh, the the demise of the mummy is great too. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It's yeah, you can tell it's just you know the 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 cloth getting pulled, but the way it pulls off with the dust falling off of it, yeah. and everything is just yeah. pure visceral. It's it's so good. Yeah, and and my my brother can can speak to this. I I am a huge fan of the old Universal mummy films. You know, both both the original with with Karloff and then all the ones with Kaharis with either Tom Tyler or Lon Chaney Jr. I, I'm a big mummy fan. And I and, uh, you know, you may mention that if we do a mummy nowadays, it would be CG, love of it. course, like the Stephen Summers films. With, and, and I love Arnold Boslow as Imhotep. But for an update of Karis, which is what this is, because to the point that even, you know, he's subservient mm-hmm. to Dracula. Imhotep would not be subservient to anybody. No. But Karis is subservient to the, the, the high priests in all the, the Karis films. And I love it that Dracula gives him his staff, his cane to hold. I think that's just hilarious. <laughs> but as an update to Karis, this is right up there with, you know, uh, with um, Christopher yeah. Lee in The Mummy. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he said he's not on there much, but just, just from that one jump cut where he said, you know, 3,000 year old dead guys, don't get up and walk away. And then there he goes. And blame right. off. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so, yeah. Luke, Luke I I was, now that cop was. That or that um, museum guard, that was not Slim Pickens, was it? It was just somebody sort of doing a decent. It kind of looks like Slim Pickens. I like Did you that. do it. See, that's what I like about this movie, though, is he had just a couple lines, and no, but they they just pulled it off great because the cops are sort of mocking him as the dumb, doofy night watchman, yeah. and he's having none of it. He's just like, oh no, I would have heard it, you know. <laughs> Uh, just as a matter of, of choice, Luke, I have to ask you, who who has a better breakdown? Lon Chaney the, Jr. The actor's name is Ernie Brown, by the way. Ernie Brown. Right, who has so, a better breakdown? Better breakdown before transformation. Lon Chaney Jr. with the classic, but you don't understand. Or John Grease in the police station saying, lock me up! Oh, God. That's, He's great. You know, it's... it's See, Lon I'm, I've always more said, pathetic. Lon Chaney yeah. has more pathos. Well, it could have been the yeah. alcoholism. And, and we've and we've <laughs> talked we've talked about this before on this that you know if you want if you want an, an easy Halloween costume you go as Lawrence Talbot. You just wear an ill-fitting shirt, and mess up your hair, and grab people and go. You don't understand, you know. So he's kind of Chaney kind of entered the realm of self-parody. But the bit in the the you know the 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 police station here, the whole sequence. Right down to him getting shot is is taught. It's such a great little scene, 
And it, and and so when he when he wakes up, it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, I, well, and then being the, it's the like, if only they had listened to him. Yeah. Why they, won't you listen? Calls, when he calls Dell, saying he's. I told to you I'd son. shoot, but you didn't believe yeah, me. Yeah. That when scene he, where he's where he's in in the uh, the the the, fo- the uh, phone booth yeah. outside that shit gas station, where he's just like, he's gonna kill your son. And he's the, just the like spit just spit flying out of his mouth. Oh. Wait, 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 what happens? Remember, think about American Werewolf in London when he's changing, right? Yeah. Like the howling, it painful. You hear the bones breaking, but American Werewolf in London, you're like, he's like screaming in pain. And and to a lesser, and obviously he's not buck naked, full transformation Rick Baker stuff here. <laughs> um, but you feel him in pain. You feel him just like he doesn't want to become the Wolfman. He hates it, and it's his back is widening, and he's just becoming. It's just so painful to him, but he's trying so hard not to let this kid die. So, yeah, it's a great scene. I tell you, the the there may not be Academy Award level actors in this movie, but you know what? I've found that most times, if you have people who are truly into what they're doing, you're gonna get everything out of them. I don't think there's anyone in the movie who was like kind of half-assing it. No, I mean, maybe me, 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 Pete the dog. Not no, even the, the do- no the dog. The dog is great. That's, the that's just a great. joke. The and, dog is awesome in this and, movie. And they trained the dog to Eugene. The dog was yeah. responding to Eugene's cues, and he was Eugene's dog. Yes. That's rarely, they rarely don't do that. Usually the dogs are trained to their trainer who's off screen, so the dog's always looking off to the side a little bit. Oh, yeah. by the way, I want Eugene's bedroom. Yeah. Well, poster, yeah. Robotech see- pajamas, incredible <laughs> hall- wallpaper. But you oh, see that all the bedrooms and all the backgrounds of this movie were just a wealth of posters and references and great. Well, stuff. the uh, up up in the clubhouse, they have the the um they have posters for Fulci Zombie. They have uh, the the mask they show him is the old Don Post you know plastic mask. Um, you can clearly oh, yeah. see. Um, I've, I've, I found I found a site, and, and if I if I can find it, I will post it up when 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 Chris posts this episode up. That basically is like a visual annotation of Sean's room, Eugene's room, and the clubhouse. Oh. Of just taking shot by shot and identifying all the items, and it, every inch is slammed full. At one point, um, on, on a little table in front of one of the windows, there's like four or five old Aurora monster model kits. Yes, nice. sitting there. Yes. Yeah. You you can plainly see Doctor Jekyll there with with holding the the vial up to his mouth. So it's yeah it's 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 a it's another one that on Blu-ray it's just okay. I gotta pause it and go back now. I gotta look at this stuff. Nice. And I tell you, dude, when you watch it on the Blu-ray, it's crystal clear. I mean, you got a nice you got a nice big TV. You can just see everything. I mean, there's just there's just all these references that are just you know as as a kid you like it's a monster clubhouse. There should be monster stuff there, and it just truly, truly just looks like you know. Something that's just so super cool. Did they have any ch- mock-ups of Groundhog Day paraphernalia? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. The uh, the pajamas that uh, that uh, Eugene's wearing, um, they're not the exact ones, but we had a uh, we ha- each had a pair of Robotech pajamas. Luke and I had them. Um, uh, we call got them for us. Uh, one of our family friends he had taken a trip to Japan, and he came back. He had pajamas and all these things for us. Right, whatever. And one of those things was Robotech pajamas. We had, and I had the same color, but I had a different Robotech in the front. I think yours were, I want to say red. 
Mine were blue. I'm trying to remember. On the sleeves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's right, yeah. It's been a long, long time. Long time. <laughs> long time. Oh, God, I love this movie. Yeah, this is a movie that just from watching it, I didn't have a lot of notes because I'm so familiar with it. My my only note that I have left is there's only one total ripoff in this movie, and that's the Saturday Night Live Gilda Radner gag that they do with the mummy. It's almost it's almost line for line. Remember, it was a Gil- it was Gilda Radner would always be in a room. And something would be going on, and she'd call her dad in, and he'd be like, my bed's going up and down. And he's like, oh, that's just a bunch of gypsies. I told them they could sleep under your bed. And, and you know, but she's there's like, there's a monster in the closet, and there's one scene where he opens up the closet. He's like, ah, oh, there's no monster. And you see this guy with just a bloody axe standing, swaying back and forth, and the father closes the door. And, uh... It was almost, it played out almost exactly like the zombie scene. So I don't know if that was a tribute or just a flat off, flat out rip off. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> it was a tribute. I wouldn't say it was a flat. This is a tribute. Well, you know, it's, it's the old, it's the old, uh, the old uh, rub. Did your mo- if your movie costs less than $10 million, it's a rip off. If it costs more than $10 million, it's an homage. No, this this definitely was an homage then, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I don't even remember when this movie came out in the theaters. Well, it was 87. Sorry. In the theater with my father. See, 87, I, I was at, that was a year I was off between high school and college, and I was off having fun and working. I think most people who probably saw this movie, it was probably in the era of HBO where it was running in heavy rotation mm. on that. Cause I, I, I don't imagine think too many people uh, actually were able to see this in the theater because I think the budget or they said the domestic rose of it was less than 4 million. So Jeez. that's, you know, that's not it's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame because yo know, Goonies, yo know, made tons of money was a big movie. had a lot of big name stars that would go on to other things. And this one, I think, is is as good a film as Goonies, if not better. And I know you can be sacrilegious. Go- can be sacrilegious. Goonies had Spielberg's name attached to it, and this one had Peter Hyams. Night of the Creeps. Yeah. And Peter Hyams yep. is a really good director, but he just it's not the, it's not on the level of... It wasn't on the level of Spielberg, you know? And, I mean, mm-hmm. Richard Donner was the director of Goonies, so... Right? It was yeah, Richard have- Donner, right? Yeah, you had some prestige behind Goonies, but this had more. This this felt more real. It felt the characters yeah. in it felt more down to earth. The the situations, uh, as goofy as they are, with uh, Dra- Dracula trying to bring back, you know, a reign of terror on the world by, in, in, you know, having the the mummy and the Frankenstein monster and the Gill Man help him create this thing. It's it's all very otherworldly and out there, but I think the the kids sell it, the parents sell it, the actors in the suits sell it. It's well, it's just a great movie to watch. Well, Goonies was more of the wacky advent, you know, wacky complex adventure. So- Hardy Boys solve a mystery sort of sort of thing with high adventure in it where this one had to be it had to be it had to because the monsters were kind of cartoon they were 
realistic and cartoony at the same time. They were filmed, you know, usually like really well lit and stuff. So you had to have some realism to actually make it scary when it was supposed to be scary. Yeah. Which I think it well, I think it delivers in that. Oh yeah. Well, he oh, yeah, makes a totally reference like to the a... Hardy Boys too. He says, "Well, Lono, look around for a lever. Don't you read the Hardy Boys?" And if, they pull the arm and they fall through. You see, I I like the Goonies more now, but I saw the Goonies when it came out as you know a young teen, and this I saw as an adult. So it's if I would have seen this when I was ten years old, oh boy, I would have loved this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my, I mean, my, I mean. Yeah, I mean, Jay and I, we, we watched The Goonies. We were fans of it. I want to say we saw that in the theater, didn't we? Opening but, weekend, uh, Dad took us. Yeah. But, um, and but Mom and Dad went. Yeah. Yeah. But for but for two kids that not only were exposed to Universal Monster movies at a very early age, but, you know, were full on in monster culture. I mean, we used to have copies just floating around our rooms of fam- the classic Famous Monsters issues. Still out. So, and, yeah, we still got them. I but, I mean, I remember mine. some of those. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the, but these were these were 25 years old when we were reading them in the 80s, you know. Mm-hmm. So to, to, to that, the idea of this, this you know kid gang adventure movie, but with the Universal monsters in it, spoke to to me specifically, you know, and it spoke to my brother too, I'm sure, but I won't steal his thunder. But more so than the Goonies, which to me was was fun. I like the Goonies a lot. It's a very fun movie. But this to me was like, okay, this is my this is a movie for me, you know. Mm-hmm. This speaks to to young Luke as a guy who loves not just Japanese monsters, but, you know, American monsters too. And I've watched all these, you know, I know all this stuff. How do you, how do you kill a vampire? How do you kill a werewolf? You know, I know all that stuff because I've watched all these. So that, that's what, but why the monster squad always stuck with me was just my love of monsters. That's what got me into horror in the first place. So that's why it always was an important, you know, memory for me was this film. Yeah. I mean, Oh, sorry, Chris, go. No, 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 go for it. No, I just, you know, I mean, Luke kind of hit it on the head. I mean, uh, you know, we, as as our friends were watching, um, like, the 80s kind of, you know, like, they would see Breakfast Club and things like that that we didn't see until we got a little older. Uh, none of our friends had seen the stuff we had seen. And and we, we knew, you know, to me, uh, Ray Harryhausen was just the biggest star as anyone from, you know, you could name Starwise, you know, kind of thing, because he was the man who made these monsters. And, you know, guys, uh, I mean, to know who Bela Lugosi was and to know who Christopher Lee was, as you know, they're both playing Dracula, but they're actual actors' names. People are like, oh, that's Dracula. It's like, well, that's Bela Lugosi, and that's Christopher Lee. That's different. And, you know, that Boris Koloff played the you know, Frankenstein only twice. And they're like, what do you mean? He played it a whole bunch of times. I'm like, well, no, that's Glenn Strange in that movie, or that's Lon Chaney Jr. in that movie. And like, you know, that's what we grew up with. And that, and having that kind of be the basis of the way we grew up, um, knowing full on who the people were and what we were reading and, and reading through, you know, uh, famous monsters back in the day as if they were like, you know, the thing, I mean, because they were stuff we wanted to see. And it, it became... Uh, <sighs> It became kind of a different way, uh, you know. We that's why we had a different tilt on things. When people would say, "Oh, this movie's," you know, you got, you got to see this movie. It's so scary, and we're like, "Okay, well, this is exactly this movie from 1950, whatever." And they just remade it with this. And uh, I think part of that too speaks to 
when we when we, we watched Monster Squad, I mean, Luke and I were about the age of the kids in this movie um, when we saw it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, just like when we saw Goonies, you know, you're like, oh, because Goonies was heavily promoted and stuff like that. You're like, oh, I could totally be friends with these kids. I'm thinking, like, I want to be these kids. This is what I want to do. I want to go and have a bunch of, of my actual friends, you know, be, you know, besides just Luke and I, people actually be into this besides us and have a clubhouse and do this stuff and fight Dracula and fight the, you know, Gilman. And, like, Isn't how that cool kind of is that? is what we're doing right now. Oh, Jesus. My mind is saying is, you know, it's kind of funny as you think about it, is, like, um, just the fact that Horace, you know, he, when he pulls the gun out of the dead cop's hands and he just, he's scared, but it's like, I got to do this because no one, because the adults won't do it. I better fix this. And it's like, yeah, I'm a kid. I, I believe that, you know, I could do that. And you totally believing yourself. It's like, I could do this too. And it is, it is one of the reasons why, um, uh, I mean, my daughter sees a lot of crazy crap, but it's one of the reasons why when when we watch this I, she truly believes she connects so much to the point where she's not afraid she's truly not afraid of any of the stuff that's happening there because one she knows it's a movie but she's like daddy i would be brave like 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 i would be like phoebe i would be brave and i was like well you think so honey but you know she goes no daddy and then she can say all the german that phoebe says she repeats oh, it back exactly like phoebe does and i she goes see dad i know how to send dracula away and Frankenstein would help me. And it's like, why? Because this is what I want to do. She connects with that, even at the age of four, you know, nearly five. She connects immediately that this is what's happening. And this is, and she looks at me being like, you know, I'm her dad, but this is what dad's into. So dad would totally come help me because Sean's dad came and helped them. And Phoebe's dad came and helped. Like, she doesn't, like, even though she knows it's not real, she knows that, like, there's still that level well, of, like, yeah, I like that the, the, there was totally child psychology thrown in there where at one point he said, you look, 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 and besides, my dad's a cop. He's not going to let anything happen to me. Yeah. And then you yeah. usually, that's, usually, up, the set, that's usually set up like dad's done right there. But yeah. no, yeah. no, dad actually does not mess around at all. No, none of the adults. Well, I mean, it, it's it's telling that, you know, we did talk about how there's ineffectual adults in these movies sometimes. You know who shows up at the end? The friggin' army shows up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> they don't let the kids down. They don't let the kids down, but how dumb is the army that when they're looking for Eugene, they're not expecting a little kid, even though they got that note written in crayon. <laughs> he, he, his line, he says, he's going, all right, where's Eugene? All right, son, where are they? Where are, where are the, the monsters? monsters? And he <laughs> Most came in my house. Can someone tell me what in the Sam Hill is going on around here? I can, sir. And he hands him the card. And it's just like they're all there. And you're like, fuck, I want to be part of that team. I want to oh, be yeah. there. Like, I want to, I'll be the muscle. I don't give a fuck. Let's do this. Like, I want to just start punching people. I do love. I'm amped beyond I, belief. I'm watching. I'm fucking ready to go kill monsters right now. You know? <laughs> I do love the army showing up because it's like, yeah, they're a little late, but they took his word on it. Any listeners yeah. out monsters. there who need some monsters killed? <laughs> Just... uh, you know, in thinking about it, it's kind of interesting. Oh, God, that makes me of... fat kid, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I don't know. We could wow. take a more Fright Night aspect, and it makes us all Malcolm McDowell. Or not Ma who is what? Uh, Roddy, Roddy. Roddy. Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Malcolm McDowell. That's a very different portrayal of, of uh, Fright Night. 
Oh my god. <laughs> right. <laughs> Vidi vit. Time is the fire that burns, Picard. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they say time is the fire in which we burn. There you go. <laughs> I was thinking of, uh, of uh, what do you call it? Um, Ah, oh, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Singing in the rain. <laughs> Malcolm McDonald and Michael McDowell, right? So Michael McDonald? <laughs> yeah. Y'all gotta know that. <laughs> Michael McDowell just sing him to death. <laughs> I would like to see Michael McDonald with uh, silver-toed boots kicking Dracula to death while singing <laughs> in the rain in his Michael McDonald voice. I wish I could mock that up on the podcast somehow artificially, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah, I'm going to be there for you, Chris. I'm going to be there. I guarantee you when I put this together, though, I will be on the internet like Michael McDonald singing in the rain. Please, please. Uh, please. It's, it's just what a fool believes. There you go. Uh, they're not brothers, but they do be related. Chris. I know. Oh my god. Alright, this episode has gone off the rails. What else do we have to say about Monster Squad before we bounce out of Loved here? Loved it. Loved it. But if I would like to say if you are interested in buying the Monster Squad, and I don't see how you can't be after listening to this episode, if you head over to TwoTrueFreaks.com. Besides that Amazon.com link, if you go over to the page for the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, you will find a link. And on that link on the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror page, I will take you to a list of every film we have covered here on the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, including The Monster Squad, The Burning, Videodrome, Friday the 13th, all the Friday the 13th sequels, all the Italian films, anything you want. Go to that one link, and that will get you right where you need to be in order to buy it off Amazon. So if you are interested in buying anything that you've heard talked about here on the Vault of Starting Monster Horror Tales of Terror, please check out that link on TutureFreaks.com. At, at awesome. one point, I was able to. I don't know if Amazon has changed it. I have to check in on it. I think I can design a Two True Freaks store, and I should really, someday yes. when I have the time, try to set up something with all the movies we talk about and all of that. And, uh, you know, you can find it on Amazon. You can buy it brand new. You might be, you, you might even get lucky and find it secondhand from someone for five bucks, too. It should be. Yeah, but there's, there's a very, the, the special editions of this are definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, there's two, diff, there's two different Blu rays. So the DVD, um, which now it, well, it's, it's getting, you know, depending on where you're looking. I know um, in the past, uh, Walmart has had this for $5. On the, the two disc special edition DVD, so has Best Buy at times um, in the store, and I mean for five bucks, that's just one on their little clearance thing, whatever. Um, that is worth, you know, well more than five dollars. It's the best five dollars you're going to spend on a DVD probably in oh, forever. Yeah. Um, the Blu-ray, that there's two different Blu-rays. There's the Blu-ray that came out when the DVD came out, but that was very early Blu-ray. It has all the exact same stuff as DVD. It's just the exact same thing as DVD, just this one disc. Then there was a second Blu-ray put out, which has an alternate cover. Well, the cover on the the cover on the DVD kind of looks like it's from the gate. It's got a kid with a light and whatever. It doesn't really look like yeah, anything from Monster crap. Squad. It is it is crap. I'm, I admit that. It, but it looks more like the gate than Monster Squad. The the other one that came out um, was put out by Olive Films. 
Olive Films one has a painting on the cover. I'm not sure who did the painting, um, but it has all four, uh, has all five of the monsters, and it has the boys on the front, all the the four uh, main boys, and it says the Monster Squad. I'm not sure. It could be Gary Poulin. It looks like his style, but it, it could be wrong. I don't want to credit somebody who's not it. Um, and that's again a single disc, um, but that's Olive Films one. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and that was a couple years back. I know I, I pre-ordered mine when I heard about it. We, my dad and I pre-ordered it using the Two True Freaks link, and we're like, we got to get this. Um, yeah. it's did. only sixteen well, bucks right now on Amazon. Go yeah. buy it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, you 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 waste money on way worse things in your yeah. life than that. <laughs> so, Give up a couple packs of cigarettes and buy this movie. Couple packs yeah. of sixty. It's only sixteen dollars, dude. Yeah, it's like two packs of cigarettes. <laughs> Remember, he's in Massachusetts, not New York, so... Yeah, I was about to say, dude, like a pack of cigarettes, you're like, well, if I give you my kidney, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'd like to shit point out... If, shit ain't cheap here, yo. <laughs> I'd, I'd also like to say to any, all the listeners out there in Radio Land, if you have memories of the Monster Squad, why don't you send us an email at our new email address, which you can be found at freakvault at gmail.com. Again, freakvault, all one word at gmail.com, and we will, I promise, start reading emails on the show. It's only taken us, what, like five years? But but we will do it. So So please send us your... Is anybody listening? Send us email. We we need vindication of our sad, pathetic lives. All that I have left is the pathetic drudgery of, of work and family. And we're waiting to talk to you! Shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2 True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2 True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2 True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E. F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end space and the number two you can find two true freaks on facebook just search for two true freaks if you ever leave your house and you actually have friends why don't you tell them about two true freaks if you've enjoyed our show please won't you take a moment to rate us on itunes that helps others find the show too 
Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.